We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week's guest is Robert Skinion. We'll be discussing esports education. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. Robert is the director of esports at Spire Institute. Robert built out the newly designed esports component of Spire Academy. He's also the esports head coach at Assumption University and currently oversees the esports component of Maple Crossing Development, which aims to bring a new kind of esports venue to Massachusetts. He previously worked at the Boston Uprising Academy Overwatch team at Microsoft as an education technology specialist. We worked on integrating technology into the classroom and as the director of esports for Vector Gaming. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. My pleasure. So we're exploring esports education. And as we know, esports has been growing at all educational levels, including high school and some colleges. In fact, some colleges in the U.S. and Canada and across the world are actively recruiting and offering scholarships in esports. And some schools have courses and some have majors or minors or certification certificates. So there's a lot of going on in the esports academic world. And you know, we're going to talk to Robert about kind of his experience. So tell us how you got into it. Yeah. So, I mean, like in high school and college, I played a lot of Counter-Strike, a lot of League of Legends. Um, but once I graduated, I kind of moved off into government contracting where I worked in operations for a few years, mostly engineering and uh, uh, biometrics. Um, but that company wound up moving in 2016 and we were kind of looking for something new and exciting to do. And we, you know, we were doing a lot of research about esports uh, and some opportunities that might exist in there. Uh, so we wound up opening a land center up in uh, North Andover, Massachusetts. Uh, we ran that for about two and a half, three years. Um, towards the end there, we got picked up 
by Assumption University uh, to start their esports program. Uh, we wound up, you know, moving in to help with the Academy House with the Boston Uprising Academy team. Uh, and from there, Spire and Maples kind of came about. So it's been a great journey, but it just kind of started with opening up our own space in North Andover and just trying to figure out, you know, what kind of difference could we make in the space? Amazing. So tell us a little about your work with the Boston Uprising Academy. You know, what did you do there? Yeah. So uh, I think it was November of 2018. They had the naming rights dispute with the previous uh, management group behind that team. And they were kind of looking, I think, to move out of the Toronto area. Um, Andrew Fiore at the time, who's the GM uh, to this day, uh, was kind of talking to Huck back and forth. And with my background in operations, uh, Andrew kind of asked me to put together a plan of what that team move is going to look like. Where are we going to house these kids? How are we going to feed them? What does that whole process look like? Uh, so we wound up scouting the house uh, for them in Massachusetts. Uh, we got the deal done for that, got it all set up, and the kids wound up moving from uh, Toronto to Massachusetts in March of 2019. So did you ever get to visit the house? What did you think of it? Uh, yes, I was there quite a lot early on uh, to get things up and running, and it was very nice. Um, we got, I don't, to this day, I'm not quite sure how we got the deal for that place that we did, but I mean, it was gorgeous. Uh, basically, it was a little mansion uh, close to Gillette Stadium. Um, plenty of rooms, plenty of bathrooms, all the amenities you could want. Uh, it was a three-level house, so the the finished attic area became kind of the gaming space, at least until the summer. Moved them down in the living room after that. Uh, but, you know, it all came together very fast. Um, we basically had a narrow four-day window to kind of pull it all off, and we were able to do that. And Andrew has been running them as the GM ever since. Well, you know, a little spoiler, we actually had Andrew on much earlier in our one of our first episodes. So he was live and we got to see a little bit of his background there. So, you know, I definitely saw the great work that you did in scouting the place for them to live. Yeah, we were really happy with it. And I mean, at the time, they were, I think, one of two academy teams that had like an actual housing facility like that. And um, I mean, it just went really well and we really enjoyed that experience and that informed a lot of the stuff that we wound up thinking about, you know, for the Spire project and for the Maples project. So for us, it was a real formative experience that we really, really enjoyed. Awesome. So tell us a little about your work at Vector Gaming. Yeah. So Vector was the company that we formed to open up the land space in North Andorra. Um, our initial goal was basically to create, you know, a space in the town where kids could come after school, uh, do some gaming, maybe get some coaching, uh, Counter-Strike League of Legends were the early games that we offered and really just have like a great after-school place where they could hang out. We were right between the middle and the high school, very locally focused. Um, and we really enjoyed that. Uh, PUBG came out kind of during that time and my co-founder Alex and I got really into it. We logged about 3,000 hours in that game, which is a little crazy to think back on, but um, that kind of was the genesis of coaching for me. Um, we had a lot of success in that game. We were both top 500 uh, in the NA servers. Um, and I wound up coaching it on Gamer Sensei. And I found that I really enjoyed coaching. Um, I had played hockey in high school and stuff like that. So I had, you know, kind of a sports background and translating some of those skills into working with the PUBG clients was something that, you know, I really had some success with and I really enjoyed. So let's be honest, you opened the center so you could play some PUBG with your friends, right? Is that, is that how it went? I mean, basically, yeah. Um, we wanted to create a space that, you know, we didn't really have in high school or college. Uh, you know, at the time, a lot of the technology really wasn't quite there yet, and it was still expensive. So 
the whole idea behind Vector was creating the space that we wish we had when we were still in school. Okay, awesome. So I know you kind of transitioned to kind of work with Microsoft. So tell us a little about, you know, your work you did there. Yeah, so I uh, joined Microsoft um, as an education technology specialist. I really wanted to learn kind of another side of the business. So, you know, my experience at that point was all self-starter. We kind of learned everything ourselves. Um, And really it was, you know, all our own time, all our own money, figuring everything else out. And there was still a lot that I didn't know um, from a variety of perspectives. And there's still a lot I don't know, but we wanted to kind of figure out like, what, what does this look like for schools moving forward? What are the people that are really, you know, pioneering this technology thinking about the campus of the future and all that kind of stuff. And Microsoft at the time was hiring for that role. And it was a really great opportunity to kind of get in on the ground level and learn those things firsthand. Um, so a lot of the job was working with customers with things like, you know, touchscreen tablets, helping them troubleshoot stuff. But the other part of it was going out to these schools and helping them set up gaming events, introducing them to VR, AR stuff, uh, running events geared towards kids around those technologies and really figuring out you know, what the future classroom applications of those might look like. So, so what are some of those, you know, where does technology kind of fit into the classroom? Yeah. So I think, um, obviously esports is very competition driven. It's all about, you know, the team v team conflict, but I think, you know, another part of the esports and gaming world that colleges and schools can benefit from is introducing new technologies on campus. So at Assumption, for example, when we installed the LAN Center, we brought in uh, a couple of VR headsets. We had that mainly so kids could do things like Beat Saber and the Five Nights at Freddy's VR thing, which they all loved. But interestingly enough, uh, one day a representative from the nursing program was stopping by just to see the center and they saw the VR thing and they tried it out and they realized that, hey, there's some technology here that maybe we could use in our educational program. And the same thing wound up happening uh, with the sports rehabilitation folks. Um, There was a study, I think, out out of Alabama University or college uh, where they were using kind of VR in the football rehab program. And they started to look at that stuff as well. And so now uh, COVID has thrown a bit of a wrench in that. But at some point, you will see uh, the sports rehab folks and the nursing program using VR both for health and wellness, but then also in the classroom. Uh, I think for the nursing program, it's something called SimX, which creates a like a virtual patient or surgery environment. And you can have people from all over collaborate in that same virtual room, which is really, really cool. Um, so as that technology keeps getting better and better, you're going to see it, I think, integrated more into the classroom and more into professional environments. Well, that's amazing. I'm excited for what the, you know, the future of classroom and education looks like, but you know, right now, let's talk about Maples Crossing. So, you know, what is it and what is some of the work you're doing there? Yeah, so we've been uh, working on Maples for about three or four years now. Um, Maples is a development that's coming to Amesbury, Massachusetts, um, and it's going to be kind of a multi-entertainment complex. It's going to have ice rinks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, the early concept of it was primarily as a hockey destination, uh, but we met the great folks working uh, there kind of early on, and we wanted esports to be an integrated part of the facility. Um, and they were kind of willing to listen. And over the years, we've developed a plan to make that happen. So moving forward, um, there'll be kind of a mall complex. There'll be restaurants, uh, hotels on campus, um, as well as some great sporting facilities, as well as an integrated uh, esports component that will consist of a land center, a production area. And then the facility itself is going to have about a 3,000 seat arena space, which will be designed from the ground up with the idea of integrating esports events into that facility. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. Wow. That's amazing. So would it be just for local events or just any event that wants to be hosted? Yeah, certainly any event that wants to be hosted there. I think we're going to have a strong local focus. There are a lot of great schools and communities here in new England that I think can really benefit from a facility like this, that will be able to kind of provide all of the services end to end that you would need to run an event. Uh, however, you know, given the size of the facility, if someone wanted to come in and, you know, do something there, we'd definitely be able to host something like that. Um, excuse me. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think that every town is going to have something like that. I know that in Chicago, they just passed a big, you know, bond or something to for a big arena there. And I know in New York and Brooklyn, there's going to be a land center opening. So it seems like there's definitely a growing trend of having these gaming centers and these dedicated facilities in different markets for individuals to really start competing and playing against each other with this high-end technology that might not be as easily obtainable as you know an Xbox or PlayStation might be. 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially with things like uh, the HoloLens coming out from Microsoft, you know, those are things that are going to be very hard to get a hold of in the short term, just because they're promised to like government agencies and the military and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as we start to slowly introduce these to the educational, the corporate environments, these kind of hubs, I think will be a really great place where companies can place these technologies and get them in the hands of a lot of people on just, you know, a trial basis. So they know what's coming. Interesting. So I know you kind of mentioned it, but tell us a little about an Assumption University. What is it? And tell us about the program you created there. Yeah. So Assumption University um, is located in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, at the time they hired me, it was Assumption College. Um, we started there in 2018 um, and they kind of had the idea of founding um, an esports program. A lot of the other schools in Worcester at the time were in the process of or had already started one. Uh, Becker University, WPI, um, Worcester State all had kind of great either club or formalized programs. And Assumption was looking at, you know, what can we do to stay competitive and how can we look to kind of, again, build the campus of the future? And they uh, wound up hiring us in 2018 um, to serve as the head coach and then build out the space as well. So we wound up building the kind of integrated gaming space there on campus. Uh, we decided to go a little differently than some of the other competitive spaces that, you know, I've kind of looked at and toured. Um, we did have a section of the land space that was dedicated for competitive play, but a large segment of it was designed to be accessible to the community, not only, you know, esports players and gamers, but how can we get, you know, people that play games casually or want to do media nights? Uh, we had an integrated sound system in there with an 80 inch uh, HDTV. So, you know, we can do like movie nights or karaoke or, you know, all those great community events that help make that space more accessible and help it feel like, you know, a stronger part of campus rather than just kind of a gaming room. Interesting. I think that's important because, you know, you want it to be more inclusive. You want people to kind of feel like it's not just for the hardcore gamers that only want to play League of Legends on these crazy computers. Yeah. And uh, I do believe that, you know, esports is about competition, right? It's about creating that great sporting environment that people have come to expect in football and baseball and soccer and all those other traditional sports. But I think, you know, an, an important part of that equation is the community and the fan base around it. Like the Boston Red Sox are not the Boston Red Sox unless people are willing to show up to games, you know, buy a ticket, wear a jersey, whatever it might be. Um, that community is very important to building a holistic competitive competitive environment for these players. And that's something that we wanted to keep in mind early on. Uh, the very first event that I attended at Assumption uh, when going through the hiring process was a student-run Super Smash Brothers Ultimate event that had about 100 and, you know, 20, 30 kids show up, which for Assumption was about 5% of the campus. And that was with no administrative support. That was just them kind of getting together and building something for themselves and their campus and their community. Um, and we want to take the resources that the school has invested in esports and in gaming and really leverage it not only to creating a great competitive environment, but then also enabling the people that have put on events like that and have done a great job with it. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think that's you know definitely a good approach. And you know, clearly there's a real interest in competitive gaming and gaming in general on campus, judging by that event. Oh, yeah. We had requests for like dorm like inter-dorm competitions and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, hopefully in a post-COVID world, once, you know, the vaccine rolls out and it's safe to do so, we'll see a lot more events like that at Assumption, but in, you know, colleges all over the country. I think with so many kids 
you know, being gamers now and having that background, even if it's not in the competitive environment, finding a way to use that passion and that love and that interpersonal, you know, relationship to help drive them towards a better campus experience is definitely what colleges should be thinking about with club gaming and esports. Uh, you know, I know coming from the Greek life, it would have been awesome to, you know, load up in some 2K or Madden and get at some of those other fraternities that, you know, it was time to let them know who's boss. So, you know, I can definitely see how that's going to be a growing part of university and campus life going forward. I hadn't even thought of that, but that is a great idea. Yeah, Greek life loves it. You know, whether it's sorority, fraternities, there's all there's already a whole competitive scene around them in, you know, the more intramural club sports. So I feel like it's only natural that we want to play 2K or League of Legends or, you know, Call of Duty too. Makes sense to me. Um, so, yeah, so are you kind of involved in the player recruitment process? How does that kind of work for the teams you have at the school? Yeah, so I think player recruitment is something that you know, for a smaller school like Assumption that maybe doesn't have the national name recognition or anything like that is something we're still working on. Uh, when a student does apply to Assumption, they can check off a box that says that they're interested in esports or the gaming club or something like that. And we reach out to those students, certainly. Uh, we host open houses events through Discord now, but, you know, prior to COVID, that would be more in person um, to kind of showcase the space, what the program is about, what advantages the kids will have on campus if they enroll in the program. Uh, but one of the things that I'm trying to get colleges in the area and not just assumption to work on is outreach to high schools uh, to really educate guidance counselors, um, volunteer coaches through groups like PlayVS and High School Esports League about the great opportunities that exist at a lot of these colleges and how students can uh, get scholarships, but then also recruited into programs. And I think one of the things that gets left behind in the discussion a lot is student placement. So, you know, when we start the recruiting process, the kids that are involved in that get a much more personalized experience working with me in the admissions department. Maybe we can help, you know, better align them with a degree program or a major that they're really going to love if they're kind of unsure about what that looks like. Um, so, yes, like the scholarship side of it is great. And I think that's very important. But then the other half of that equation is getting them into an academic program that they're going to be really successful in and enjoy so that when they graduate, you know, they have that career opportunity or that path that may or may not be centered around their experience as a gamer. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's important, like you mentioned, for this this next generation who maybe don't really know that this exists or would like to have this as part of their campus life because they enjoy it already. And to have this camaraderie in the way to kind of have this almost instant friend group and peer network, I think does do a lot, especially when you're kind of starting at a university, which we know could sometimes be a little overwhelming. Absolutely. I mean, definitely, um, you know, they're introduced to the teams, the captains, the players ahead of time. So when you arrive on campus, you already have kind of a built-in support network for you. Um, and even through like your, you know, your first semesters here, we have the academic check-ins. I get their grades at you know midterms and all that. So I can check in with a player if someone's struggling and really point them in a direction to get the support and the help they need early on so that they can have the most successful college experience possible. And I think, you know, I love the competitive aspect of esports. I, I think it's great. Um, but you know, for a school like ours that's maybe more in that D3, D2 category, um, really it's about creating the best possible college experience for the students. How do you like decide what games you compete in? 
Yeah, so Assumption is a little different. Um, it is a Catholic university, so we do have certain restrictions on what we can offer. Um, we're not allowed to offer any FPS games or M-rated games that have specific content in them. Uh, but we've definitely worked around that. We have League of Legends, uh, kind of the collegiate staple. Uh, we've also offered Hearthstone, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Rocket League. And we've tried to add a couple of new games each year, um, both through recruiting, but then also through kind of open tryouts at the beginning of each semester for the entire campus. So moving forward, we're probably going to add Magic the Gathering Arena. And we've had a lot of requests for like FIFA, NBA 2K, and Madden. So that'll probably be the next natural expansion for us. Awesome. So, you know, tell us a little about the future for esports at Assumption University. What do you guys have planned? Yeah. So I think kind of the next step for our esports program is finding ways to integrate esports into other parts of the campus. Uh, we have a great, you know, community center. We have a great land space that the kids are using. Um, you know, grades have gone up. People have been really, I think, happy with how things have gone from a student perspective so far. Um, I really think the next step for this is integrating all of the great potential career aspects into some of the educational offerings we have and not necessarily in a, you know, major or minor fashion, because I'm not sure that we're ready for that yet or that esports is ready for that yet. But really, you know, in game design courses, making sure that there's a little blurb about what you can do in the industry, showcasing, you know, art game design, whatever it might be, making sure that people really understand that there is a career path for them in gaming outside of being a player or being a coach or anything like that. Uh, the people that are in this program are very passionate about gaming. They love it. It's their recreation, uh, but it can be used to definitely drive them towards a, su a successful career after school. And I think that is kind of the crucial part that we're still navigating, but is the next step. Yeah, I think that is important to be able to kind of explain like you don't have to just be a streamer or YouTube creator in order to be in the gaming world. You don't have to start up a team. There's a whole world of professionals and people that work in these companies, whether it's in marketing or PR or casting or video editing or really any other traditional area that you could think of. Yeah, you could be a lawyer like Justin. You could be an ops manager like Robert. But uh what really stood out to me is probably about eight months ago, I was on um, a conference that was, you know, a standard esports industry one. Um, and there were some pretty big orgs on there. And the number one thing that they all said they needed was basically sales and marketing. Um, you know, even stuff like that, that's just more generic uh, from a career perspective, you can find ways to make that all fit into what you love doing and really crafting that message and making sure that people are thinking about what am I doing after I graduate? I think that's definitely the most important part for us. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to shift a little bit. So tell us a little about Spire Institute and the Academy and its esports program. So what is it and why was it started? Yeah. So Spire is our largest project right now. Um, that the genesis of that uh, was basically taking the IMG training model and applying it to esports and figuring out a way that we could create a holistic, in depth academy experience for high school students that were interested in esports. So, Spire traditionally uh, serves students that are interested in track and field, swimming, and basketball. Um, and when you attend Spire, your day kind of gets broken up into two parts. You have part of the day that's dedicated towards your traditional high school education. And then the other part of the day is dedicated towards your area of passion. 
um, and students receive specialized coaching in that area. Uh, they work with strength and conditioning coaches, dietitians, uh, mental health and skills folks, you know, whatever, whatever you need to succeed um, in that sport, Spire has for you. Um, and then, you know, down the line, they also have college guidance counselors and all that kind of stuff to help match you up with a program where you're going to be successful. But really, it's creating an environment that you can focus on your education and your area of passion. Um, and we didn't really see anything that existed like that for esports. Um, and I wound up meeting with uh, Rich O'Dell, who is one of the original headmasters of IMG, um, and Ted Mikma, who is one of the original guys there as well. And I was kind of talking about this gap that we see in the esports scene. And they're like, well, we've kind of done that for other sports. Why don't we do it here? Um, and we see a lot of support from Spire's ownership group. They've been very supportive and into the whole next gen tech. So at Spire, it's not just esports, it's also drones and mechatronics. Um, and they're really going all in on these steam or stream uh, aspects of the program. Uh, so students that come into this, uh, the program is launching in the fall. Uh, will basically get a this standard school year. Uh, they will be getting their high school equivalents, and they will be working uh, basically half the day in their game of choice, but then also all of those other wellness things that I mentioned. Interesting. So it's essentially like an academy for you to you know learn and go to high school, and then kind of really focus on playing basketball or you know being a pro gamer and getting this professional support that is going to potentially be the difference that you might not get at a public or a regular high school. Yes. Uh, what drew us to Spire was their focus on kind of all those secondary things that sometimes get left behind um, in, you know, what we would call the Academy model in like League of Legends or Overwatch or something like that. Uh, so they have a very strong focus on education. They have a very strong focus on health and wellness. Uh, they have all the resources there that you could possibly need to become, you know, the best version of yourself and taking all of those things and bringing gaming to it was really the idea. So we can bring in great coaches for a variety of games. Uh, we're looking to bring in hopefully our head coaches starting uh, in May. And, you know, we have a lot of resources there. They just built out a whole new classroom facility on campus that has a dedicated, um, you know, esports area. Uh, it also has a content production area as well. So we're really focused in on that um, and really creating the best possible environment where these students can, in a safe and controlled manner, um, efficiently and effectively learn their games without spending, you know, 12 or 15 hours a day grinding. Interesting. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, if you want to do this at this highest level and you want to do it the right way, it's not just about you streaming for 10 hours. And I'm sure, you know, any successful streamer content creator that tells you, you know, the two hours that you spend planning and crafting and distributing is way more valuable than the extra two hours you're going to put on stream. And it all kind of understands that wellness and education and kind of balancing your life is how you are successful in these worlds and being able to kind of have this balance where you have the school and then you have kind of the intensive training, I think gives you this well-rounded approach. Yeah. And that's really what we were looking for. Um, certainly, you know, at times with a variety of teams, I've seen kids that think they, you know, they need to spend 14 or 15 hours a day playing these games to get ahead. And I think, you know, there is a, there was a time and maybe that time is still currently ongoing where you kind of needed to do that to get ahead. But I think as, 
you know, you see these new AI, uh, deep learning AI bots that will analyze your in-game play. You know, we're introducing new technologies around eye tracker and clip mapping. We're working on a project that I can't really talk about right now, but will be heavily dedicated towards uh, real-world player metrics and behaviors. Um, you can start to kind of condense, I think, that training process. So the way that I would put it is Golf Tech um, is a company that does basically swing analysis. And the way that they do it is they map all the swings of players on the tour and they create an algorithm that says, you know, to be an effective golfer, your swing should look like X. And as you go in there, they work with you to help bring your swing into those parameters. Not saying that's a perfect one-to-one, but there are certain things that we will be measuring and looking for that will be indicators of your ability to be successful uh, in a collegiate or pro program. And we will be working with those metrics to help bring you more into line with those long-term. Interesting. Well, I'm really excited to see that because I definitely think, and from my conversations with a lot of the top teams, as you have these analysts and, you know, these sessions where you're looking at VODs and strats and kind of figuring this out is sometimes more valuable than just loading up and playing the game, you know, looking at the game from this more analytical approach, the way you, you know, shoot the way you come out of the corner, the way you handle, you know, spray fire, all these things play a, a factor more than just playing the game for a little bit longer at this level. Yeah, I think it's about having purpose in your practice time, um, about having a clear goal of what you're trying to work on, what you're trying to establish um, as a, you know, either a behavior, muscle memory, whatever it might be, and making sure that whatever you're doing, your time is being spent efficiently in developing or honing that behavior. Um, And that's really, I think, where these analytics are going to become more valuable is making sure that the practice time is more focused and more condensed um, and, you know, you're getting into now longevity and player health. If you can reduce someone from playing 10 hours a day to six hours a day over the course of their career, maybe you buy them another year or two at the pro level and that increases their earnings and all that great stuff. Absolutely. And then when you kind of add in the nutrition and health angle, which, you know, you've had individuals that are handling that in the gaming space, it really does help you perform better when you have this, you know, exercise and kind of going for a brisk walk and different lighting and your posture and all these ergonomics, like it really does make a difference in how you perform. Yeah. And I think it's something that, you know, with, you know, the budgeting and all that, the way it is that a lot of teams would like to be able to provide at kind of the, you know, tier three, tier two level. And it's just difficult. I mean, it's a, it's expensive to provide that kind of training and that kind of support on an individual level. Um, the reason Spire can do it at the cost it does is because that, you know, those costs and that all those materials are defrayed out over five, six, seven programs. Um, and it just makes it more efficient that way. Awesome. So I know you kind of said the academic space is still very much developing. So what are some courses or curriculum that you you know kind of see is lacking that really needs to, kind of step it up? Yeah. So I think uh, at least the focus for us at Spire is giving kids enough information that they can make a meaningful choice about the college that they attend, the the degree they want to pursue, or, you know, if they decide they want to go off and try and make it in like a tier three, tier two team and work their way up, then they, they have that full knowledge. I think, you know, a lot of people that have not worked in the day to day of esports have kind of a an idea of what that might look like. 
and the reality is far different. So, you know, one of the things that we're introducing at Spire for our esports academy program is a lecture series that will feature great profession, uh, professionals like yourself and like Tommy Knapp from Ultimate Gamer, among others, that will be announced by the end of the summer, hopefully, um, that will come in and talk to these students in small groups about industry experience. You know, for yourself, what is it like working with player contracts and the legal aspect of it? How do you protect yourself when you go negotiate with an organization or even a scholarship in some cases that come with particular rules and guidelines? Uh, From Tommy's side, you know, more in like the event management and running, you know, what is it like to put on an event like the Ultimate Gamer? How do you manage these online tournaments? From myself, how do you build, you know, this academic program from nothing into a full-time program? There are lots of different aspects of the industry. There are lots of great potential career paths And we really want to make sure that the students that come in to our program in particular, but, you know, at any high school institution, that when you make a decision about college, when you're investing in your education, that you really have a good idea that this is something you actually want to do. I think the worst thing uh, is when a kid gets two or three years into their college degree and it's like, wow, I really don't like this. And, you know, sometimes that's going to happen no matter what, because people's personality changes and their interests change. But I think a lot of people now are making decisions on esports without that background information. And for some people, it works out great and they love it. And for some people, maybe not so much. And, you know, that's really what we want to help kind of bridge early on is making sure that those students really understand what they're getting into when they make that decision. Awesome. So I know you kind of mentioned this kind of the gap between the high school and college. So are like top high school players being steered towards collegiate opportunities, towards the pros? How is this kind of working in the youth scene? A lot of it is kind of who you're around and who you know. Um, <clears throat> certainly, you know, we try and scout ladders and all that kind of stuff. But for a lot of kids, they don't have – so like when I played hockey – in high school, you know, there were coaches there that kind of knew what it took to get into college or maybe to go play for a private, you know, prep school or something like that. And at some point, someone would kind of sit you down and have a conversation like, hey, this is your skill set. You know, this is what you might consider. This could be an option for you, or maybe this isn't an option for you. Um, a lot of kids don't really have that in esports. I think a lot of the kids, like we saw with the Uprising Academy team and with Dramatic Gaming and some of the other players we've worked with, have really been proactive in their own development right? They love it. Um, You know, they're willing to put in the work and do the outreach and make those connections. Um, But that kind of infrastructure that exists for a lot of the other sports doesn't yet exist for esports. Even schools that run, you know, Play VS and High School Esports League, which do do a great job in organizing the online play, you know, the actual people at the schools are volunteers and many of them aren't, you know, gamers that have that kind of background. They're people that want to help out, are generously volunteering their time, and in in most cases doing a great job, but they just don't necessarily have that knowledge base to help students make that decision and get to that next level. Um, And that's something that I think is going to take a long time to solve. It's going to take collaborative efforts from colleges, high schools, recreation departments, and independent academies like Spire. But we want to be kind of the, the trailblazer for that and then take the lessons that we're learning and help other people do it better. Absolutely. I mean, I think that was, you know, the class I'm teaching now, that was a real big component of it is how do you do everything that's not in, you know, being a gamer? Like you have insurance sales, when you have wealth management, you have, you know, esports architectural design firms. Like there is every 
professional area that you can think of, like CPAs and accountants and all of these more traditional areas, finance people, all of them are really starting to be around the esports world. So you're able to kind of take something that you might like and apply it to something else that you might like and find this unique balance of, hey, it's awesome that I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also doing 100 Thieves deals and Immortals and Optic Gaming and FaZe Clan and all of these really exciting things that I'm passionate about. Exactly. And I think, you know, with the industry being as young as it is, and there's so much opportunity and so many things that really haven't been clearly defined yet, it's kind of a great way to take your skill set and experiment with it and see what can work out for you. I mean, um, certainly when I started Vector and opened up a land center, I never thought, you know, in four or five years, I'd be working on Spire, but that's just kind of how things worked out. And it's been a great journey and I've really enjoyed the process of getting here. And I've learned a lot from people in other industries. Um, you know, going into Spire, I didn't have any mentorship from people that have worked in this kind of program before. And certainly the first, you know, five or six months where they were really working with me one-on-one to kind of talk about this stuff and really develop my understanding of it. The way I viewed esports, collegiate, the you know, player development process, I mean, all of that shifted because they just brought so much knowledge uh, from other sports like golf and tennis. Um, soccer, track and field, and all of these things that they had worked through and solved over the last 40 years. I mean, they basically took four decades of experience and just dropped it into my lap. Um, And that's something that, you know, is transformative for people. Amazing. So, you know, we're kind of bring this all together. So what's the future for the esports program at Spire Academy? So certainly our early focus was, um, developing the space on campus, getting the academy program up and running, getting, you know, our head coaching staff, our great adjunct professors on board early. Uh, Now it's really about creating experiences on campus. And, you know, I preface this whole section by saying, you know, COVID permitting, uh, but (laughs) uh, we're looking to run an in-person combine event on campus in August. Um, Again, we're putting the operations groundwork in place. If it's not safe to do so, we're just going to spike the event. But the idea is that we want to create a a combine event at Spire for Ohio students and Ohio colleges. So that's going to be free to high school students. That's going to be free to colleges. Um, We're going to bring in, you know, hopefully 400 to 500 kids um, and hopefully, you know, 10 or so colleges to that event. Um, We're still working out some of the details on that. But the idea is we want to create a really great experience where students can showcase their talent, speak with coaches one-on-one, learn from some of the experts that we have affiliated with us about what their future could look like, other areas that they should be looking into for career paths. Um, And then the long-term goal is to bring in some of these colleges at the high school level to offer some college credit for these kids so that they can experience what do these professions feel like, you know, at the collegiate level if it's shoutcasting or game design or whatever it might be, earn some college credit, get a real taste of what that looks like on a day-to-day basis and build up those relationships with the schools so that we can help create that natural feeding ramp for students that have an area of passion so that they can go to a college that's really, really going to help them achieve those goals. Awesome. So, you know, I kind of like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch is still League of Legends. The the production value, 
just the chaos of it. It's just such a great viewing experience. I really got into it. Uh, TPA, when they won the world championship, for whatever reason, my friends and I, you know, followed that the whole way through. And ever since then, I've just been hooked on it. Awesome. So what about your favorite game to play? Right now, it's Escape from Tarkov. I've really been enjoying it. It's kind of filled the gap that uh, PUBG left when it uh, went into a little bit of a decline there. Um, but games with the, like the progressive item model and all that stuff are kind of tough for me, so I kind of phase in and out with it. <laughs> awesome. So who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu? Uh, I would say Ezreal. Uh, I've been an Ezreal main for as long as I can remember in League. I really enjoy playing him. Character model, voice acting, it's all really enjoyable and funny. And, you know, in solo queue, having that uh, panicky is always nice to, <laughs> nice to have. Okay, awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Robert underscore Skinion. Um, and then you can check us out at bctrgaming.com. Awesome. So, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.